Welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, 1996 UFO sighting in Yukon. And this uh, was a pretty special sighting because the UFO was so large, up to four times the size of a football stadium. And I've heard witnesses ranging from a minimum 22 witnesses up to 30 witnesses. So this was a mass sighting of a very large UFO. Of course, this took place in 1996, so this would have been a little before the current era of cell phones and cell phone cameras, but still a very good sighting. And I found, a, there's reports all over about this thing, but I found uh, this report on ufocasebook.com. It's titled, The Yukon Territory Encounters, 1996 Klondike Highway. If you look at a map, you'll see that the Yukon's located just southeast of Alaska, so it's way up north. It says 22-plus witnesses observed a UFO larger than a football stadium, Yukon Territory, Canada. <clears throat> Investigated by Martin Jasek M. Sr. P. Ng. The following is a brief summary that could be that could be made from a complex 22 witness event and still retain a good portion of the impact and scope of what had occurred more detailed descriptions and vivid quotes from the witnesses can be found in the individual witness testimonies it goes on it says event summary witnesses fox 2 and fox 3 were driving together from whitehorse to carmack and two separate vehicles. As they were traveling northbound on the Klondike Highway adjacent to Fox Lake, they spotted a huge UFO out over the frozen lake. Fox Lake is on the west side of the highway. Both of them slammed on the brakes, stopping about 1,870 feet apart, so, I don't know, about a third of a mile apart from each other. Fox 2 got out of his vehicle, for a better observation. The UFO proceeded to slowly drift toward Fox 2, and after a few minutes, he found himself almost directly underneath the object. Fox 3 continued to observe his cousin, Fox 2. Both men were in complete awe. There's a pretty good video of this online, too. Uh, there's like a little, I don't know, six or seven, eight-minute video uh, documentary of this and it, it was fun to watch because it shows the real size of this thing and how these two cousins are driving along this rural highway they spot this giant ufo they get out to take a look and the one fellow the one cousin he actually walks toward it and when he does this ufo comes back over and just basically drifts directly over the top of him and you can just see this enormous for lack of a better word, mothership, just suspended there above him. It's as if the ship sees this person observe him, sees this person begin to interact with them just by getting out of their car and walking toward them, and responds to that attempt at engagement. The UFO continued to move slowly across the highway and are and out over the hill to the east, and eventually disappeared behind it. Immediately after the sighting, Fox 3 notes 
that the time was 8.30 p.m. Both Fox 2 and Fox 3 could discern that the lights were attached to a smooth and solid object. At the very same time that Fox 2 and Fox 3 were observing the UFO move across the lake, Fox 4 and Fox 5 were approaching the southern tip of Fox Lake, also heading northbound. What they observed was a huge row of lights, or row of lights, slowly moving across the lake. There were other lights on and around the UFO as well. Their first thought was that it was a large truck in the distance, but it couldn't be. It was out over the lake. The next thought was that a Boeing 747 was crash landing, but that couldn't be either. It was moving much too slowly to be an aircraft. It took them about two seconds to process these thoughts when they realized that it must be a UFO. They got very concerned. They had a two-year-old son in the back seat, and they were traveling toward this thing. After some debate, they decided to continue their journey. After all, they could no longer see the UFO as they approached a hill that obscured their view, plus there was some traffic ahead. Fox 5 looked at the car clock. It was 8.23 p.m. None of the witnesses heard any sound coming from the object. A few minutes later, when Fox 4 and 5 were passing the Fox Lake campground, they passed by two vehicles that were pulled over with two men outside looking up at the sky. They turned around and pulled over to talk to them. It was Fox 2 and Fox 3 carrying on a lively discussion. What the heck was that? After a few minutes, Fox 4 and 5 left and eventually stopped at Brayburn Lodge about 21 miles further up the highway. Fox 4 walked into the lodge and said to Steve Watson, the lodge owner, Steve, I really need a coffee. Steve replied, Oh, you must have seen what Fox 1 saw. In fact, Fox 4 recalled seeing Fox 1 leaving Baseburn Lodge just as they got there. About a half hour before the sighting, described above, about at about 8 p.m., Fox 1 was driving along Fox Lake and had noticed a light in the distance which should not have been there. He did not think too much of it, but as he got closer to the light, he could tell that it was illuminating a long, smooth curve. So now we have four witnesses. The two cousins that first saw it, and then I believe it was a husband and wife that were coming from another angle, have both spotted this UFO. The two cousins have definitely been right there looking right up at this giant illuminated saucer, I don't know, one to four times the size of a football field. Now, the interesting thing is that from the perspective of the uh, husband and wife, when they saw it from a distance, they couldn't make out the outline, or they couldn't make out the craft in particular, but they could make out the outline of it, and they could make out the outline with the lights going around it, and also they said something about they noticed lights near it. Which brings us to the notion this could have been some kind of mothership. This thing is so big that it could have easily carried smaller ships within the craft. And we get the idea that that's what was going on when the husband and wife saw it. Because it seems as though they saw the actual craft, the mothership, and then they saw other smaller UFOs circling around it. Now the article goes on and says, at this point, he got... <coughs> 
he got an exhilarating feeling and sped up in order to catch in order to reach a less obscure location in the valley so that he would have a chance to see the UFO again. This is the first witness. He pulled over and got out of his vehicle, but didn't see anything more unusual. He continued his journey and pulled into Braeburn Lodge, where he gave Steve a description of what he saw and also made drawings for him. Fox 2 and 3 eventually pulled into Braeburn Lodge and gave their description to Fox as well. There was also a sixth witness to Fox Lake sighting, but it is unclear what time she had driven through the area. Fox was Fox 6 was driving in the vicinity of Fox Lake when she noticed a glow on her dashboard that could that could not be accounted for by the interior illumination of her vehicle. So basically the same was right on top of her, and it was putting out so much light that the light just reflected off the dash of her car. She leaned forward to look up through her windshield and observed a large arrangement of multicolored lights. The interior lights in her car started to go dim, and the music from her tape deck slowed down. At around the same time, between 8.30 and 9 p.m., the village of Pele crossing about two hours' drive to the north of Fox Lake, was experiencing its own truly incredible UFO sighting. Pell 1 was tending to his trap line northeast of the city of Pelly when he observed, in a distance to the southwest, a long row of lights slowly moving over the hills. At first he thought it was a large aircraft coming down, but it was moving much too slowly, it's a UFO. As he was walking his <clears throat> as he was walking his flashlight happened to point in the direction of the UFO as if reacting to his flashlight, the UFO started speeding rapidly toward him. He instinctively cupped the end of his flashlight. As soon as he completed the gesture, the UFO stopped in its tracks. Wow, now that's interesting. That is a clear case of the UFO is interacting with people. It's as if when somebody shines a light back at them, that's an act of engagement. When they cover the light up, that's withdrawal of their compliance. And the UFO seems to have to respect the human's will, whether they want to react with it or don't want to interact with it. The other part I thought was interesting was this, was the witness of the gal who was driving down the road and she saw the light on her dashboard. Do you notice there how it says that the interior lights of the car dimmed and the music playing on her uh, tape her tape deck slowed down. It's it's literally sucking the energy out of the vehicle. Or maybe it's blocking it somehow. These things apparently are putting off some kind of electromagnetic force, probably related to their propulsion system. Or maybe they're just sucking the energy out of the area that they're around. I don't. I really don't know. Again, this <clears throat> continues on here. It says, in a matter of less than a second, hovering an, over an estimated 300 yards in front of him, Pelle had to turn his head from one side to the other to take it all in. Again, there was no sound at all coming from the object. A beam of light emanating from the bottom of the UFO swooped the ground and once directly underneath the object. Was it a search beam looking for him? The UFO then drifted slowly in, slowly to the right. 
There were other beams emanating from the craft as well. A greenish phosphorescent glow beam shown horizontally out of the front out of the front right two beams at the back. Left rotated slowly to a horizontal position. So you have this giant disc shaped, saucer shaped mothership with a bright light down coming down out of the ship and then these phosphor phosphorus green lights it looks like shining up and down like search beams coming out of this thing uh, sweeping the ground coming up to the level with the craft all the beams could be seen clearly as there were ice crystals in the air Pell 1 turned away from the UFO momentarily and he ran across a small clearing when he turned back to look at it it was gone at about the same time, Pell 2 and Pell 3 were traveling northbound, just south of Pelly Crossing. To the north, they spotted a huge row of lights slowly moving from left to right. They pulled over at a gravel pit just south of the village to get a better look around and got out of their vehicle. Pell 2 noticed that the Big Dipper was just above the row of lights and compared the length of the lights to the width of the Big Dipper. They were about the same length. Observation was very important since it established a well-referenced angular size of the UFO from Pell 2 and Pell 3's perspective. Important for a more accurate triangulation and calculation of the UFO size. The accounts of witnesses Pell 1 through Pell 3 were enough to complete a calculation of the UFO size. The observations of witnesses 4, 5, 6, and 7 about the same time provided a second triangulation. The four women were taking an evening course at a small community college in Pell and Pelly Crossing, a satellite school of Yukon College. They were out on a break on the on the front deck of one of the story buildings, looking towards the west when they too observed the row of lights. The row of lights was traveling slowly almost toward them and slightly toward the north. They recalled the object being huge as well. There was no sound at all. It moved slowly over the hill and north and disappeared behind it. Then there was a UFO sighting near the village of Carmax, seen by nine witnesses. And the UFO was observed by two groups of people. CRM 1, 2, and 3, and 4 were on the highway northbound in a pickup truck just south of Carmax. CMR 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 were consisted of a husband, wife, and their three children. They were watching television when they when they spotted the row of lights out of their window. The four men traveling together pulled over near the landfill at the southern edge of the village to get a better look at the UFO. They watched the noiseless object move slowly to the northeast, curve around them to the south, and head up a valley adjacent to the microwave tower south of the village where it just vanished. So here we have two separate groups. Now it looks like five groups in all that have spotted this UFO and have all described the same basic object. At one point, the UFO was partially obscure behind a hill, and one witness recalls the UFO slowly reappearing on the other side of it. He remembers waiting a long time for the last light to reappear from behind the hill. That's how slow and large the object was. The object took up about 60 to 90 degrees right horizontal chunk of the sky. CRM-1 calls, recalls hearing about the Fox Lake UFO sighting on the radio the next day and surmised that 
they saw the UFO about an hour and a half earlier, about 7 p.m. The family is not exactly sure what was, what time it was when they saw the UFO, just that it was in the evening. They observed the row of lights just to the northwest of them, moving slowly to the northeast. The lights were just over the tree line, and there was no noise at all. The lights continued to move until they disappeared one by one behind what appeared to be an invisible wall. There was a, no mountain in that direction that could be, account for this. We see this so oftentimes in these UFOs where they're there and they just disappear. Now it says it disappeared behind a visible wall. So you have to wonder if the UFO was just making itself, uh, camouflaging itself uh, gradually from one side to the other, or if this is literally some sort of slip from one dimension into the other where it's just almost cut a seam in our reality and it's slipping through the other side. Doesn't say it whisk away, doesn't say it shot off, it just says it disappeared as if behind an invisible wall. Disappeared as if behind an invisible wall. It goes on, it says, an estimate of the UFO size by triangulation was not possible for the CARMAX UFO sighting as the geometry of the witnesses' locations in relation to the UFO was less than ideal. Furthermore, it was unclear whether both the family and the group of four men in the truck observed the UFO at the same time. Perhaps the UFO made more than one pass by the village that night. There's also some evidence to suggest that this sighting event encompassed an even larger area. As UFO reports were heard on CBC North Radio the very next day, mentioning sightings in the common Dawson, Mayo, and Watson Lake. So you can see that this is a kind of UFO that really that that really went on for uh, quite a long while. We had multiple sightings, and we had uh, good uh, contemporaneous reports. In other words, the two cousins that saw this uh, UFO uh, they drew pic- they drew pictures for the lodge keeper immediately afterward. They told people what they saw immediately afterward. And you can see here in five or six different accounts the uh, how the how the UFO looks is the same to everybody. From a distance, you could see the lights around it because the thing was so big and it's dark, that's all you could see was just the lights around the edge of the craft. But as people approached the craft or got closer to it, they could actually see the light emanating from it. And the one fellow who was a trapper, he talks about how not only did he see the light coming down, but he saw these green, almost fluorescent lights that were uh, basically beaming up and down on the edge of the craft. That must have been really something to see. But this is probably one of the best uh, sightings of a large craft by multiple witnesses who came forward gave their names, drew pictures, and told their story. And this was in 1996 uh, in the Yukon UFO sighting. A lot of good stuff out there. Uh, Take a look at it. And some good documentary videos as well. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.